All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm Weston. With me, as always, is my main man, Lou. Lou, since we're not in the studio, I can't say sitting to my left, but if I'm looking on my computer screen here, I think you're slightly above me at this point in time, but we're just completed week four of the 2021 NFL season. Lot to talk about, but prior to jumping into that, how are you feeling this evening, my man? Oh, you got that right, Weston. I am always right above you when it comes to this <laughs> football, when it comes to everything. No, but I'm feeling good. I'm feeling relaxed. Just came back stateside from Aruba. Apologize. I'm also on some island time right now, so I might not be as quick, uh, quick-witted as I normally am, but I'm feeling good and relaxed and ready to go. Nobody feels bad for you just coming back from, from Aruba. And I should have said that. I should have led with, Welcome back. We have missed you, but now it is time to to get to business. But I do think your most recent defeat of me in fantasy football is inflating your head to think that you are above me. But I will give respect where it is due, and you did beat me, so yet here we are. Hey, I wasn't going to say that, but yeah, I did I did handed you a pretty – handed you an ass whooping. You did. Um, but what I like to think is that if if fantasy football had anything to do with skill, I'd be top two in every league every single year. I think it is 90% luck, 10% skill, um, but sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, and we'll, we'll just leave it at that. You were lucky. Hey, I don't mind getting lucky more than one way, you know? Uh, listen, I totally get it. <laughs> Awesome. So week four has just is in the books. Lot to unpack here, as always, as we dive into the regular season content. Love to go into our different segments here. Let's start with the hometown takes, as you have so politely coined for us before we started regular season content here. Your Los Angeles Chargers hosted the Las Vegas Raiders. Tell me what you saw. Tell me the good. Tell me the bad. Tell me the ugly. Tell me everything about it. Well, we didn't really record uh, last week uh, uh, following week three. So I'm going to try and incorporate a little bit of week three. Let's talk about that real quick. Let's talk about that real quick. Because in week two, when we did record before you decided to hop your ass over to Aruba, what did I tell you was going to happen going into that week with the LA Chargers going into Arrowhead? I specifically remember telling you you were going to win that football game and had every opportunity to win that football game and just – just jog my memory real quick. What did this, happen that week? This is all true. Uh, you have to understand as a Chargers fan, again, to the mindset, we're not used to good things. Now, even when they happen and when they do happen, like, oh, that's more luck. That wasn't, that, that's not press, you know, that's not uh, like skill. So um, that's why when good things happen, we're not believers until it really is happening. So that's going to transition me. I'll see it when I believe it. And guess what? I'm starting to believe it. And that's what Patrick Mahomes said about uh, Justin Herbert. And I'm officially declaring Justin Herbert a star. You know, I had some apprehension in the past talking about that, right? I have I not, did, but yes, you have. I did. I did not put him in my top 10 last year because I said, hey, he's a rookie. He's going into a new system, second year, and what have you. He could start regressing. But no, what he did on the week last week, when he did uh, again on the road against uh, Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City, you know, in Kansas City was was nothing short but phenomenal. Like the fact that how, how composed he looks when the times are its toughest. One of my favorite baseball players of all time, actually, the, my favorite baseball baseball player of all time, Marion Rivera, for the straight fact that he would come in at the bottom of the ninth, the hardest time, the most stressful moment, and basically close out the game. And to the Sandman, baby, Justin Herbert is starting to remind me of that. All right. He literally you can't tell if he's winning or losing when he makes an error or, or bad play. There's no difference of expression. He just comes back out, learns from it and, and does it better. Now, this week, when they played the Raiders at home at quote unquote home, because it was mostly Raider fans. This was an easy letdown game. You have to understand, come off a big emotional win. It would have been so easy for them to just mail it in, not come out prepared against a pretty good Raiders squad. But that's not what they did. Uh, they came out, they handled their own business. 
and now tied for first place in the AFC West. And they did it, what was so impressive, they did it not the conventional way. Yeah, they got those stud receivers, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. If you were to tell me Mike Williams had one, or if you, before the game, if you told me Mike Williams had one catch or Keenan Allen's had under 50 yards receiving, I'm like, wow, the Chargers got blown out. But no, they use, they use basically through a, a totally different strategy, incorporate a lot of their tight ends, a lot of the heavy in the running game. Jared Cook was phenomenal. Austin Eckler was phenomenal. And it shows that they're not one-dimensional and rely solely on their wide receiver, those stud wide receivers, which I thought was impressive from A, a game plan, and B, for Justin Herbert not forcing things to your playmakers. So that was pretty impressive too. Also, on the defensive side, the defense is starting to come into its own. Dude, who is number 44? Oh, because uh, you're white. He's from Bro. West Virginia. He's a, trans- he's a sit- strong safety at college. He did good. He played good his first year, got hurt, and kind of fell out. With the old regime, if you got hurt, you kind of fell out of, like, um, favor with them. Like, Bro, he, then, like He was all over the field, all over a, the field on Monday night, all over it. Yeah, he, he's, he's a big hitter. He does great playing coming down towards the line of scrimmage. He's, oh, he's a little suspect in coverage, but he can go left to – he can go east and west uh, phenomenal, uh, phenomenally. Uh, yeah, he, he, he was diagnosed with places pretty well. So, yeah, he was pretty impressive. But they sacked Derek Carr four times, and they harassed him the whole night. Darren James had a critical interception when matched up against Darren Waller. Uh, and here's a fun fact. I didn't know this until Daniel Jeremiah said it earlier this week. The Chargers have held every one of their opponent they face this year to the lowest point total score for the season. So whoever they played, they they always score the less point, like the, the least amount of points they have all year. And let's talk about the coach because this guy, um, I'm once again, this is all me being a believer. He did a fantastic job. He does a fantastic job using analytics and gut his gut. When he went, he went for fourth down again. Knowing that he had to, you know, regain control of the game multiple times, multiple times. Raiders were gaining the momentum. He knew he had to put that fire out, and it was so funny because he was saying, "Yeah, he just like he knows what's exactly what's going on." He's like, "Yeah, it was fourth and two. Um, We knew they were going to come out in man coverage, and so we had a perfect play for our fourth and two play." And basically, he explained it. And then, as soon as Keenan Allen went in motion, they knew his man. And Jared Cook and Justin Herbert both said after the game, like, oh, this play is going to work. As soon as they saw Keenan Allen motioning uh, to the slot uh, and saw that was man. Like, they, like they, they were so confident it was going to work. It was, it was crazy. These aren't your same old charges, man. Uh, I was just very impressed that they didn't, when, when the Raiders came roaring back, they didn't fold up and collapse like the old, the old charges. So that's all the good for the charges this week. And the bad. I didn't see a lot of it. Yeah. And and you know me, I'm overly critical, bro. Yeah. Right. And I would have to be nitpicking for the, for the bad. I I, I think the only bad that you can look at, and if you're a non-Chargers fan is, Hey, you got a 21 point cushion and you did let them creep back into the game. That's it, right? Like that to me is a little critique, but to your point, like once they realize like, oh, Las Vegas is trying to make this a game right now. Let me just go ahead and put my foot back on the gas and took it. To me, this was never a game. It was just, it was never a football game. To to, to kind of um, uh, address what you just said, like that 14 point comeback, Brandon Staley literally said like that was going to happen. He's like, we're going to get some early lead. They're going to come back. And that's when we're going to have to get it. Like, like that, like, I feel like this guy is like seen in the matrix where like, he's just so friggin' smart and he, he changes his game plans all the time um, for multiple personnel sets and what have you. And he has players playing better than they have been. For example, Nazir Adderley. He was a good draft pick coming out of college for the university of Delaware. He did yep. nothing. Gus Bradley's defense. He was awful. This kid is throwing a ball. He start, he's starting to play aggressive, fast. He never showed that. Drew Tranquil, uh, he showed glimpses before, but that was number 49 on, on the Chargers. And he's starting to ball. He's starting to ball, using it more creatively, not just a drop-down linebacker. He started blitzing him more. So 
Covington. Like who? I mean, I heard of him, but like this guy is he's been pretty good on the defensive line and he's like a, a tier three, tier four type of player. And he's getting the most out of them. Brandon Staley is teaching these players and getting the most out of them. And that's what's most impressive. Uh, while also have shown a big pair of balls to go for it, you know, on crazy during crazy times. He's, he's like a mad genius. Listen, they're, they're playing well in all three phases of the game. Can I tell you what I, what I, my thoughts are coming out of the quarter point of the season and, and week four first place in the AFC West, right? Like to me, that's huge right now. Um, went in and beat an undefeated Las Vegas Raiders team the week ooh, before. Oh, by the way, they had some good wins, the Raiders. No doubt about it. No doubt well, about it. Listen, they were clicking on all cylinders coming into this game. I, I promise you, John Gruden and company were confident that they were going to win that football game. Felt like they could he, win that football game. And they got smacked after, in that football game. You hear what he said afterwards? I did not. He's basically said, like, after the game, uh, like an, uh, almost like an admission. He's like, guys, just want to let you know, this LA Chargers team is going to be a problem. Like okay. he like looked like not shell shocked. I'm obviously maybe being a little over over exaggerating, but he was like, they're going to be a problem between that coach and that quarterback. He's like, it's going to be tough for us, uh, you know, this year. Bro, this is a quarterback your, quarterback driven your, league. Yeah, that's your division rival admitting that stuff. He didn't have to go out of his way to say that. And that's John Gruden, too. Yeah. I, listen, first place in the AFC West. What I tell you two weeks ago? What I tell you during the Monday night game when we were texting? This is a playoff team. I, I said that. I have documented that they can sniff the playoffs. And I'm even humbled by that comment saying, like, this is a playoff team, not sniffing the playoffs. And I don't want to hear, which I hate, the not this year. It's a year too early crap. Like, when shit clicks for you in the NFL, it clicks. And right now, four games into the season, it is clicking big time for the L.A. Chargers. I said preseason, documented. Justin Herbert was a top 10 quarterback in this league. I'd like to, I would like to take back that statement and say that he is actually a top five quarterback in this league right now, the way that he is playing football. It is unbelievable. Like you said. Good or bad, the facial expressions don't change. Like, he's here to win games. He takes the game as it comes to him. Um, I don't see him forcing the issue. Just makes the big play when the big play is there to be had, you know? Takes the check down when the check down is there to be had. It's just he's just playing football, and he's playing it at an elite level for a dude who is 20 games into his professional career, 19 games into his professional career. It's, it's ridiculous. One thing I was very impressed with is they ran the football pretty well uh, to the tune of 168 yards on the ground. Eckler went for 117 and a tutty. Like they, they, they moved the rock well. And listen, football is, is, is simple mathematics. You run the ball well, you're going to be able to throw the ball well, right? So if you can continue that formula, it's a winning formula. You mentioned four sacks. To me, the pass rush was there. Not only was it there in the, to the tune of four sacks, I think I saw Joey Bosa suffer from Nick Bosa disease where this dude was held on like literally every, every drop back, like, and blatantly held where flags weren't thrown. It was crazy. Good news. Charger fans, Derwin showing back up on tape and he's showing to be, I'm not going to call him Derwin of his rookie year where he was all pro and like ridiculously lights out. He's got ways to to go for that. But if this man starts playing well uh, at the third level of your defense, bodes really well i already asked you who number 44 was my man was all over the field flying to the football east and west evident just one of those guys who was showing up like if you went back and watched tape like you just see 44 in your screen all day long i I already said this so i'm gonna be redundant but like i know fans are gonna say well vegas made that a game like no they didn't they were down 21 like do you know how hard it is to come back from 21 points in the nfl and yeah they sniffed being within one possession. And as soon as they did, LA just turned up the heat again and just pulled away. Um, Lou, I, I'm not even a fan of the team, but like I'm be, I'm quickly becoming a fan of this team. They're a lot, to- lot of fun to watch because they do it on both sides of the ball. Um, and I love watching a young quarterback 
Um, they already had pieces on their team that I was that I was already a big fan of, a la Keenan Allen, you know, the Bosa brothers, Derwin James, and just watching these guys like play at the level that they were meant to play at just equates to good things. And yeah, John Gruden's right. Like this team's going to be a real freaking problem. And I, to me, that was evident last week when they went into Arrowhead and put it to the Chiefs. And I know that game is really close on paper, and I know it came down to fourth fourth down conversions and rolling the dice in, in certain areas. But the mere fact that they went into Arrowhead to, you know, the defending AFC championship, a uh, defending AFC champions and the prior year defending Super Bowl champions and took it to them like that with the, this squad as young as they are with a coaching staff as inexperienced as they are um, in their particular roles. Like, wow, dude. Wow. Like just a lot to be excited about. Yeah. And like, they did not beat up on bums. It's not like, like the Broncos who had like three, like, uh, you know, layups, you know, they, they faced a, 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 a decent, you know, Washington football team was two and two. They faced the Chiefs. You know, they were this close to being the uh, the, the the Cowboys. You got to think about that. Right? They are this close from being four and zero. Oh. Yep. Only they didn't lose to the Cowboys. I have a lot of Cowboys fans and say, nah, they charge. No, they, charge. they beat themselves. They beat themselves in that game. Yeah, that's the that's the consensus. <laughs> yep. They beat the Chiefs, and now they beat the Raiders. Uh, these weren't bum teams, and the fact that they could be they could have been this close to four and zero. Oh. They still have two two three more hard games left. They got the Browns coming up. And they got the Ravens after that. But if they can split those, they're in a good shape then. Yeah, listen, I love the position that they're in right now. And I think you should be excited. And I think L.A. Charger fans should be excited. I can tell from my, my enthusiasm and my energy, I am starting to get excited and starting to believe. But hope hope, hope will kill you, though. <laughs> hope will kill you every time. Yeah. Hope is not a strategy, yeah. is what they say in our line of work. All yeah, right. So Let's hear about yeah. Let's hear about your Niners, man. Talk to oh me, man. God, against the Seahawks. I'm gonna start with the bad, as I always do. I'm gonna begin with the offense. It's stale. It's stagnant. It's boring. It's predictable, and that's not what I expect from a Kyle Shanahan-led offense. I I expect the unexpected. Um, it, it's it's borderline unwatchable from an offensive standpoint. Lou, we held the Seahawks to five consecutive three and outs to start the game. They didn't pick up a first down to more than halfway through the second quarter. And we still only put up seven points. That's not good. That's not good. That's not good. You, you can't forget the Seahawks. You just can't let Russell Wilson hang around like that. You keep him in football games. He's always going to find a way to win. It's just the way it is. That's why that's, he's made a living doing of it. I've said this a million times. Bad teams always find a way to, a way to lose a football game. And we did exactly that. Um, what I just mentioned, five three and outs um, to start a football game, only putting up seven points in that particular time span. That's the, that is the recipe to losing a football game. Um, Jimmy G, is he's regressing as an eight-year veteran, um, and now he's injured which unfortunately I've had to say far too many times in his stint with the 49ers, that just seems to be his stick, right? Is And I feel bad for him. I don't wish injuries upon anybody. I know he's a competitor. I know he wants to be out there. I know he wants to lead his team to victory, but the facts are the facts, right? Like he's just, he gets nicked up and it's just the way it goes. And sometimes those injuries linger. Can I, can I interject real quick? Yeah, please. I, I am going to be full disclosure here. I did not watch the game. Uh, I was, probably about seven uh, Coco Locos down at that, at that point. Quit rubbing uh, that in as I take, <laughs> as I take down my Coco Loco. So what I'm going to say, I did watch the the Packers Niners game and your offense was, was, a, was all right, but it was despite Jimmy G. So let me give you an example. Yep. There were guys open. He threw and they caught the ball. But the ball placement was awful. Like uh, there was a play to Muhammad Sanu. For oh example. my God, that he'd still be running right now if the ball's in the Exa- right place. He didn't his stride, and and that's just one example. There were so many plays like that. He, he can't drive the ball down the field. He he's very he, very hesitant. He looks. You know, was this his third or fourth year in the offense? Why is he so yeah. hesitant with his reads? <clears throat> I have no. Idea. And he's too quick to check it down out of the backfield. You, you got to move on from him. This could be a blessing in disguise, him, quote, unquote, getting hurt. I hope, but I don't know why Shanahan is trying to push for him to play 
where I would rather see what's Lance, what's going on with Lance. Now I'm, the- I'm going to talk about that in a minute because I agree wholeheartedly with heartily with you. I do think Jimmy's getting better in certain areas, right? Like he's not taking sacks at the rate that he used to, right? Like he's he's getting out of the pocket. And even if it's a two or three yard scramble, right? Like positive plays versus negative plays, but there's still your eight years in the league. These How many are, years? What's that? How many years is in that system, man? 17. So four, five seasons, right? Now this is the start of the fifth season, essentially, right? At the end of 2017, 18, 19, 20, 21. Here we are, fifth season. Safe to say he's not, pro- not progressing. Not pro- yeah, I totally agree. But here's my issue. I'm actually, based on the start of the season, beginning to doubt Kyle Shanahan. Uh And that is where the rub lies, right? Is and that's an issue. I agree. So part of me doubts him, part of me doesn't, right? The part of me that doubts him is like, I'm not seeing it come to fruition. I'm not seeing the execution from the parties involved. I do see the plays and I do go back and watch all 22 film and things of that nature. And I do see people running open down the middle of the field and in certain spots. So I feel like he's calling the right plays, but I'm, I'm not trusting in that we, he continues to push this person who maybe can't execute upon that. And I'll elaborate here in a second. More of a personnel. uh, Yeah. Personnel. uh, You're challenging on his personnel decisions as opposed to, execution of yes. the play yes so the op- i mean there's call it what it is right the offense is just struggling and i and it's not because of a lack of talent right like you have debo samuel you have brandon Ayuk, you have george kittle you have the swiss army knife in in use check like there are just people out there that can make this offense move this is a kyle shanahan running game you or i could play running back and we should be able to run for 80 yards in a game like that's the way it's designed so to me it's not talent but back to the, the Niners Seahawks game specifically, bad things, bonehead special team mistakes. You had Trenton Cannon who fumbled it. He, so he muffed the kickoff, fell on it. Nobody touched him, got up and tried to go, even with people around him, proceeded to fumble and be recovered. So they have the ball in a short field. The very next kickoff after they score, he decides that he doesn't want to field the kick and puts his arms out you know, signaling to the special teams that that ball is going to land in the end zone and it bounces on the one yard line and backs and bounces into the field of play. And he's got to quickly uh, scramble to recover it. And before you know it, we have the ball inside our own 10 yard line, right? Like those are blunders that when you don't, when you don't get out to a 21 point lead that are going to cost you a game every single time penalties, penalties are a huge concern. They were a huge concern in the green Bay game pass interference specifically huge concern in this game eight penalties for 78 yards that's all that's a big portion of the field so lou if i read you the following stat line please tell me the outcome of this game who won this game team a or team b team a ran 72 total plays for 457 total yards 314 passing yards 143 rushing yards and had 23 first downs in the game Team B ran 54 offensive plays for 234 total yards, had 129 passing yards, 105 rushing yards, and 14 first downs. Team A or Team B would win that game. What I would say, can I phone a friend and talk about turnovers and penalties before I make a choice? Not an option. Not an option. Team A. Yeah, Team A did not win that football game, just so we're clear on that. Um, again, that's a recipe for you should win the football game, but why didn't you win the football game is because you turn the ball over, you make bonehead plays and big penalties and big spots that don't count towards total yards and change field position. It's, 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 it's stacked like penalties and turnovers. I don't, I don't even look at the stat, like the the offensive or defense. I just look at penalties and turnovers. I feel like that's just who wins the game. Agreed. So let me focus on some good because I want I want to end this conversation with with some some positivity. Yeah, you're listening to your therapist. Good job. Yeah, the defense played really well. We had three sacks, seven total tackles for a loss. To me, this this loss is not on the defense. In fact, Lou, point through four games, 
we have turned the ball offensively. We have turned the ball over five times inside of our own 40 yard line. And on those five turnovers, it is only equated to 13 total points allowed. That means the defense is doing what they're supposed to be doing, right? Yeah, they're bailing out those yep. mistakes. Another positive thing here. I talked to you earlier about the five three and outs to start the game, right? Like the defense did everything to put the offense in position to win this football game. Another positive note for me, Trey Sermon actually played really well. 19 yes. carries, 89 yards. I still don't understand why we abandoned the run game at certain points, even when this game was like, you know, even still a two possession game with plenty of time left. Like it's still a game, you know, do what Kyle's teams do well and run the football. But again, a positive note, Trey Sermon looked good as a rookie. Now let's get to the elephant in the room. Trey Lance is about to get his opportunity, or at least in my opinion, he should be getting his opportunity. Yes. He played the entire second half. Yes. He looked like a rookie, but the more he played, the more he settled in. Things came easier for him. It just needs to time to develop. But at this point, and Lou, you know I've been a huge advocate for Jimmy G to be the starting quarterback for the 49ers in the 2021 season until something happens. And something just happened. An injury, which led me to be able to watch number five play for an entire half of a football game in a meaningful football game without any preparation as a starting quarterback who is really just going in understanding limited responsibility if he's put in in certain spots. So again, back to no preparation. And as the game went on, he got better. And what I saw is he's really special when things break down. His leg talent will bail him out as a rookie. It just will until everything else comes to fruition. So at this point, I'd much rather go forward in the season letting the rookie make his bones and take his licks than watching an eight-year veteran regress and continue to lose us. Potentially, I'm not blaming Jimmy G for losses, but potentially be part of a losing formula where I think Trey Lance, prime example, we're going into Arizona this week. It's going to be a tough game. For numerous reasons. Numerous reasons. Mobile quarterbacks kill the 49ers. Wouldn't it be pretty awesome if we can like maybe return that favor a little bit and see how how other defenses account for somebody who's got a little mobility? I'm just at the point now where if we're pushing this narrative of like gotta hurry Jimmy back from an injury, this is what's causing me to trust in Kyle less. Yeah. So your offense, I will say, is is, is you know somewhat stagnant. I would say I, I do feel like you need an injection of, you know, energy or, in, or something new. And that's where, you know, Trey Lance can provide because he's that multidimensional, you know, quarterback, dual threat quarterback. Um, it should be interesting though, because this is going to be a tough game, obviously from a defensive standpoint for, for uh, the 49ers trying to contain Kyle Murray, who's like one of, probably one of the top MVP candidates as we speak right now, but also it's going to be real hard. I like to see how, if, the Cardinals do get out to an early lead, how Trey Lance is going to respond trying to play catch up or what, like, can he keep in pace with that dynamic Cardinals offense? Their defense is nothing to, you know, is, is nothing special. Uh, the Cardinals defense, they are opportunistic. They do have some turnovers, but they don't really have too many sacks in the last couple of games. So I just want to see like what Lance can do if he can keep up and respond to that Cardinals offense. So, so here's here's my thought as a knowledgeable fan is he can't do any worse. And this is, again, not a knock on number 10, but number five can't do any worse than number 10 from playing but from behind. This offense and the 49ers offense since Jim Harbaugh was here was not built to play from behind. It's just it's just not. It's when you run when you rely on running the football, you rely on keeping close games and playing from in front not from behind. What I did see last week is the 49ers fell behind for two possessions and Trey continued to fight and continue to bring us back and put us in some positions. And this is how, so if 2021 is going to be a wash, let it be a wash with number five, getting reps and valuable reps against stiff competition. So 2022, this guy's ready to go play football. 
it's too early to say. You guys are two and two. You're acting like you're. Yeah, but like, you know, dude, two wins that we I get absolutely should have won. You know what I mean? I get it. But I'm just saying, you guys are not. It's not a wash yet. Let's let's. But hey, let's not freak out. No, 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 no. We're gonna freak out in a minute. We're gonna freak out. So. Good segue. I would say right now is the moment to say, I'm going to put that shit to bed. Let's go ahead, freak out a little bit here, Lou. And now we're freaking out in our freaking out section or segment. Tell me who you got. Who's your first overreaction? Right now, if I'm a Yinza, and who, if those who don't know what Yinzas are, those are people from Pittsburgh. If I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, I'm freaking out. Dating back to last year, the Steelers are two and eight in their last 10 games. Two and eight. The defense is good. There's no denying that. But damn, Big Ben looks bad back there. He looks like a statue. It's almost an embarrassment. He he fell handing the ball off. I'm quoting like, you. The corpse formerly known as Big Ben. That's from one of our previous <laughs> one of our first. So it's it's true. Uh, he looks like a statue out there, and for them to put up ten points at at home in week three against a bad Bengals defense, and then follow that up and only and putting up seventeen against the Green the Green Bay Packers. Do you realize they've failed to score twenty points three times this year? Can't it's only been it's, it's only been four games. Uh, can't win football games that way. Ben is done. They have no contingency plan. Get those towels. Start wiping your tears because your division, Steelers fans, have three young quarterbacks. You're done. And good quarterbacks. Not just young, but good quarterbacks. What about you? They're good. So my first overreaction is all love and all positivity. And it's like, I would, if I was a member of this fan base, I could not help myself. I'd be on the rooftop screaming this. The LA chargers are the best team in the AFC right now. They have beat the defending AFC championships in Arrowhead. They have beat the previously undefeated Las Vegas Raiders at home handedly. If you watch that game, their only loss, and you talked about this before, is to a very good Cowboys team. This is not the Cowboys of the last few. This is a very competitive team in the NFC in a very good, tight, and competitive game. I'm a big believer that teams go as the quarterbacks go and nobody's going faster and harder than Justin Herbert right now. I will repeat my previous statement. The LA chargers are the best team in the AFC and are super bowl bound. Oh, geez. Oh, you make me blush over here there, Weston. Uh, I will say this. Rebut that bro. But, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what Herbert is doing is impressive, especially if you look at um, all with the rookie quarterbacks, Fields, uh, Lawrence, Wilson. They've been – Mac Jones, they've been awful, mediocre at best. Look at your so, boy Tua, bro. Where's where's Tua doing right now? I'm just saying, you're right. Like, what he's been doing in 19 games where I kind of feel like he's spoiling – NFL fans on their with their rookie quarterbacks and them to automatically think this success is normal because it's really not. I'm not I'm not comparing Justin Herbert to Peyton Manning, but that's the type of gift that LA Charger fans were just given. That type Peyton. of winning potential. Again, I'm not calling this Peyton Manning. I would argue that Peyton Manning could potentially be considered the greatest quarterback to ever play the game of football because he was literally an offensive coordinator in the huddle. And what he did was just exceptional throws postseason record out, whatever you might be. But what I'm saying is to your point of spoiling it for other teams who will get first round quarterbacks that they'll pick in the top 10 picks of an NFL draft. They're not getting Justin Herbert, right? Like to me, just like Lou, two years from now, like ESPN always does. They'll go back and do a redraft of the 2020 NFL draft and Justin Herbert will go number one every single time. 
versus what what did what he go seven what, was it seven overall that you guys picked him it's six six or seven well two went five so i think he went seven right because they didn't no. pick them in consecutive picks did they i think so yeah okay so, so, dude i'm still in island time bro so the best thing that ever happened to the la chargers is that two was drafted by the miami dolphins before justin herbert but and I'm not just saying this because you're a Chargers fan. Like, I hope you know that, right? Like, I'm not trying to play into your your probably hidden optimism that you want to be shouting right now. I believe this. And I've been saying this to you. I've been pounding the table for number seven. I've been pounding the table for what this team could potentially be. And sometimes, dude, football just clicks. The ball bounces in the right direction. You convert on fourth downs that you have no business going for in the first place. That's the NFL. That's how the 49ers got to the Super Bowl in 2019, right? If Dre Greenlaw does not tackle the, the receiver or Luke Wilson, the tight end on the one on the one inch yard line, we're the five seed. We're not even the one seed. We don't go to the Super Bowl, right? Like this is the NFL. So ride this wave. The Chargers are for real in 2021. And what's scary, too, they have $74 million in cap space next year. Yeah. Don't look into that, right? If I'm a fan, focus on this year and the way that it's going, because history will tell you that, like, it can go really poorly the year after when you have different expectations, right? So, like, L.A. Charger fans, all 18 of you, enjoy this right now. Last thing I'm going to add to that uh, overreaction. I potentially can see Mahomes versus Herbert is almost like a Brady versus Manning type of thing within the division, the division. Um, which yeah. would be brutal for both for both teams and fan bases. But great for football, Fantastic. especially if your team's not in the division. Great for football because they're both young I, and they're both here to stay. Do you have another re- overreaction by any chance? Yeah, I'm talking about defenses here. Uh, Tennessee Titans. All right, they face the New York Jets. The Jets were averaging – their offense was averaging 6.7 points a game. They weren't even averaging a touchdown a game, the Jets. And I know the Titans were shorthanded on offense, but, damn, their defense really let them down this past week. They've had the same issues over and over again. They can't generate pre- – uh, they can't they, – they overblitz and still can't generate pressure, and they do not consistently turn the ball over on opposing offenses. And this is, and when their head coach is a quote unquote defensive guru, this this defense is lost. I feel I, it's just been like this for years. It's it is literally yeah. their Achilles heel, and the fact that they went and they let up uh, those points to the Jets on that with that rookie quarterback who was struggling mightily. Listen, if you're an offense, you you're circling uh, Tennessee's name uh, when you see him on the schedule because. They have been god-awful. And speaking of god-awful, what the hell happened to Washington's defense, the Washington football team? They're supposed to be – I love Ron Rivera. I think he's a fantastic coach, great defensive mind. They have the personnel. What the hell is going on? They let the Falcons drop 30 on them? The Falcons and Matt Ryan's dead arm? (laughs) So you're making my point. Right now they couldn't even stop a nosebleed, bro. Dude, you're making my point though about for the Chargers, right? Is like expectations coming into this year was another year seasoned, another year in the league for that deep that defensive line in Washington and how good they're supposed to be, and it doesn't come to fruition. Like this is why you ride the wave as the wave is taking you. And I yeah. agree on both fronts. Tennessee's defense, I think, has been has been masked by King Henry for the last two years, right? So if you could just keep them in a football game, they'll ground and pound, they'll own time of possession, and they'll take over the fourth quarter of a game. Not able to do that against these Jets. Good for Zach Wilson, right? Good for Robert Sala, like going out there and doing their things. But, you know, Tennessee's got to look themselves in the mirror and say, how do we not stop this team that was literally averaging less than seven points a game against inferior football teams? prior to this right like we all hold Tennessee with a high regard based on their performances over the last few years and being a playoff football team um and they they certainly did not look like it my final overreaction is from the outside you're going to say it's not an overreaction but I'm saying for the Jacksonville Jaguars and what I'm saying is they will without a doubt be picking number one overall again in the 2022 
NFL draft. I know the Owen three record prior to the bye week, whatever it is, you know, like, Oh, that's a, that's an obvious statement, but Lou, this crap with urban Meyer, this is an issue. Like this is a real problem that seems, it just seemingly always plagues Jacksonville in the sense of like poor ownership, poor management, poor leadership. And this problem just seems to never go away. Allah, your best player, arguably ever, who could have been your best player ever in Jalen Ramsey wanting out, right? Then you got Leonard Fournette, who you invested so much capital into as a first round pick, wants out. And they drive themselves out. Like, I know that you can say, hey, behavior and character issues and whatnot. Like, I'm starting to just now believe that these guys are just doing it intentionally to, like, get out of there and to get into a better scenario. So my overreaction is I, re- I really think the Jaguars can end the season at 0-17. And that's a shame. I think they have some talent there, but I also just don't – I just don't think they have the leadership to take advantage of it, right? Like we're talking about a coach that brought in – thought it was a great idea to bring in Tim Tebow for whatever reason who didn't make the team to just be a distraction. And my heart actually breaks for Trevor Lawrence because I think really highly of the kid. I think he could be a great NFL talent. But you know what? For the f- next five years, he's he's gonna sit in in Hades, like in hell. Like it's just it's just not oh, gonna be won't. good for him at all. Meyer won't last five years. It doesn't matter. Like it's just a recurring theme. Unless you're bringing back Tom Coughlin from the NFL grave, like who you who you bringing in? Like it's just not a respected franchise anymore. Nobody wants to report and deal with this owner, Trent Balky. He's a fucking joke of a GM. I know he was the GM of my team. Somehow, some way he won general manager of the year in 2011 when we had a stud talent base, but like, it's just an issue, dude. It's an, it's a real issue. And for the, the few Jaguar fans out there that I actually happen to know a few of them, like this is going to be a problem all year. This is not going away. And urban Myers to it. Like he's not going to hang it up and he's not going to leave in the middle of the year. He's going to have to be fired. And what are you gonna do? You're going to fire your coach halfway through the year and go through an interim coach. That doesn't lead to wins. It might lead to one, right? Like for a morale purpose, and that—that's my issue. I think they're—I think they're a sinking ship right now. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing. I don't think they'll go zero and seventeen. Only for the fact, the mere fact that they do play Houston again. So, uh, I think that could be their. And they didn't look terrible against the Bengals in Cincinnati last Thursday. So the offense started clicking a little bit. The run game was established. So. Uh, I think what's going on there is a shitstorm. You're right from behind, you know, but I do think they can squeak out a win or so. Now, being the first overall pick, I, at this point, I guess it's between them and the Jets, you would think. No, the Jets got a W. The Jets have a W right now. They're a step closer. Sure. I just, I just, I just don't see it. I just don't. I, I think the Jaguars are picking number one overall again in 2022. Okay, so let's talk about some of the players uh, this week that we thought were... Yeah, let's get uh, out of putrid performances and let's get into some top performances. Want to start with offense or defense? Um, we can start with offense. I was, yeah, let's get offensive right now. How many did you list? Uh, I have a couple. Um, let's start I'll with your up. number one. Number one was uh, Tyreek Hill. 11 catches for 186 yards and three touchdowns uh, against the Eagles. Uh, I think I heard something like Tyreek Hill hasn't has scored a touchdown like in quite some time. Like, is it seven games or something like that? Yeah. Is that is that that's that is so, true? Uh, I think they realize like, what the hell are we doing? Let's just get this offense. Let's just feed the playmakers once again, and that's what they did. He looked, you know, looked explosive, and he got back to the Tyreek Hill of old. So Tyreek Hill is my f- uh, first primetime player on the offensive side of the ball. He was mine, so I won't be redundant. I'll go with my number two offensive player of the week, another wide receiver, mm-hmm. Debo Samuel. Okay. Eight, re- eight receptions, 156 yards, two touchdowns. Two things I want to point out about Debo. Don't know if you saw this video clip. If you haven't, I will send it to you. But dude showed up at the game riding a Schwinn with a tiny Zeus Lister denim jacket on with a picture of Debo from Friday on his back. That's how he rolled into the game, dude. Amazing. That, that is, is 
legendary in itself. Another fact for you, Lou, if I was to ask you through four weeks in this NFL season, who leads the league in receiving yards, would you have guessed that it's actually Debo Samuel with 490 yards receiving through four games? No, but I do have him on my fantasy football team, so I'm very aware of how well he's performing this year. You know who I have on one of my fantasy football teams is his freaking counterpart who only Brandon has Ayer? like yeah, who has like three catches for the year. We'll talk. I don't know what, what's going on with that. Yeah. All right. Give me one so, more. Okay, so this one's a little out of the box. So another primetime offensive playmaker I have for this week, Urban Meyer. I mean, looking at that video. He had excellent hand usage, utilized fantastic leverage on that 23-year-old. Now, he might not score that night, but it will show up on the stat sheets. If you go back and watch the film, tell me he wasn't the best player this week. Go ahead. Try to tell me. Give me a moment while I gather myself here, because I <laughs> even I, who knows you well and has been doing with this you for a while, didn't even see that one coming from uh, a standpoint. Well played. He's in the 50s, picking up 23 years old. They know he's married, has kids. Is there like a, a term for like a male cougar? Like, what are, are you? A, are you a panther on the prowl? Sex panther. <laughs> sex, sex panther. All right, I'm gonna give you one. I'm gonna give you a real one, and I'm gonna give this one because I owe this man his due um, from prior shit talking. So I'm gonna go Ezekiel Elliott. I'm gonna say 20 carries, 143 yards, a touchdown. And I've crushed him the last few weeks, telling him that his job was going to be taken um, against a, I mean, touted as the number one defense coming into the that game against that Carolina defense. Again, we're, th- we're three weeks in. Take that with a grain of salt. But that's what they were touted as. So, you know, Zeke, who I happen to have in fantasy as well in the league, did me tremendous justice. But um, – you know, of all the offensive performances, he's definitely within the top three um, in the league. I agree. I agree. All right. Let's Probably go. To right the... You're right. What's that? Probably right behind Meyer. You're right. Yeah. I mean, Meyer is clearly number one. I mean, you're thinking about it. You're, you're next level thinking about that from a totally different lens. I'm talking about tired. the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I'm going to stay in the, the big D, Dallas. Uh, I only have one, by the way, because I looked at a lot of. Uh, I wasn't really impressed by anyone uh, this uh, this week, but staying in Big D, Trevon Diggs, he, has, he had two interceptions, and he's been on a tear this year. He only has five interceptions, eight passes defense this year, which leads the league in both. He's been balling, man. Uh, so he's been part of that resurgent uh, Cowboys defense, and he looked phenomenal once again. I don't know why people keep on throwing to him anymore now. Guy has five interceptions in, in four games. All right. So clearly my number one defensive player of the week as well, but I want to add a little commentary to that. And then I'll give you another player. What I think is most impressive about Trayvon Diggs and what he's doing with the five picks is he's doing most of it in man coverage. It is weird. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. I cannot stress to you enough how hard it is to intercept passes in man coverage coverage that's where a lot of your pass breakups come with but you're very reactionary in man defense you are more often than not watching the receiver their eyes their hands their hips you're not spying the quarterback and guessing and gambling where that ball is going so to me this this just says this dude's reactionary skills are off the charts the other thing that i love about the way he's playing right now like just forget about this week. Let's talk about the entire season right now because it's noteworthy is usually guys that get a lot of interceptions that are playing in man-to-man coverage get burned a lot too, right? Like it's like a, it's a 50, 50 split and he's not, he's not getting beat. Like he's just not like he is, you said it, he is balling out and he's doing it in the most difficult lens there is in the NFL playing man on man coverage with NFL receivers, the number one receiver on that team locking up with them. And as someone who's played defensive back in, in my lifetime, it's a reactionary position, right? Like you you are automatically at a disadvantage the minute the ball has snapped. And it's like this dude is in the huddle and knows what play is being called. It's crazy. It's 
crazy. I gotta say one quick thing about that Dallas defense, because uh, I uh, was berating a lot of my uh, fellow Cowboy fans that I'm friends with, uh, with the hire Dan Quinn. I'm not a big fan of retreads. Uh, I was making fun of like, hey, cover three is pretty much, in my opinion, starting to become a fossil type of defense. It's starting to get outdated. He runs so much cover three. Uh, Cowboys run 60% man coverage. Dan Quinn has reinvented himself. He's, re- he's re-energized that defense and gave them purpose. Uh, I'm pretty impressed with what that, that, that Cowboys defense is doing. Dude, they're, they're an impressive team right now because they're moving the ball on offense and they're playing defense, and that was always the issue, right? They'd score 30, but they give up 35, right? And, yeah. then, and, and now the, the tides are turning a little bit. All right, so I'm going to give you one name that we'll talk about. So there was a couple of guys that had like some multi-sack games, but yeah. like nothing like super impressive, but Matthew Judon. So he had seven tackles. He had a sack. He had two tackles for a loss, a couple QB hits. But I watched that game, right? Because who wasn't watching Brady's reunion coming back to, to New England? I know not all of us were in Aruba, Lou. Um, so I was watching that game. <laughs> I was Aruba, <laughs> Lou. I was, I was glued to the TV on Sunday night watching this. And what stood out to me more than anything was Judon was just all over the field, right? Like stats that won't show up in the stat box, just affecting so many plays. To me, on the defensive side of the ball, he is the sole reason that New England, New England had an opportunity to win this football game as well. Um, again, I don't have any sexy statistics to back, back that up, but anybody who knows the game of football, go watch the tape and challenge me and say that this guy was not all, all over the field affecting literally every, I'll say, offensive snap by Tampa Bay, defensive snap that he was aligned to. I mean, the the to me, he balled out and – honestly played one of the best defensive games that I have seen this year in terms of affecting what the offense does. Um, he had a, he had a hell of a game. So speaking of what offense does and how defense affects offensive uh, game plans, we're heading into week five. What are you looking forward to in week five? Uh, well, uh, what are you watching? Yeah, for the low-hanging fruit, and I don't understand how this cannot be priority number one. I am looking at uh, the most likely AFC championship preview that's going to be this Sunday night when the Buffalo Bills travel to Arrowhead and play the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I'm just excited to see these two high-flying offenses, see if Buffalo can get like a real like statement victory against the team that got in their way last year. Um, I want to see also – can't are the Chiefs back now? Meaning, like they 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 found themselves against you know a lesser Eagles team. Can they compete against? Can can they easily handle uh, another good team, or are they going to struggle again? So I, I just want to because I feel like this will be a good indicator, right? If the Chiefs are not going to run away with things this year, if they kind of struggle with the Bills and don't win, I'm not saying they're going to be bad, but they're not going to be as dominant as we thought. And I think uh, that's that's the reason why I'm really honing in on that game. Like you said, low-hanging fruit for sure. Like, that's number one on my list for all the obvious obvious reasons. Can Buffalo get over the hump, right? Kansas City technically has their number, even though Kansas City is not playing necessarily like Kansas City so far to start the year. Um, They're usually really, really good in September and October, but definitely a game. I have two, and then maybe I'll come back to you for one. I'm watching the Chargers Browns game. Yeah, that could be like a uh, that could be like a bizarro AFC Championship preview. Listen, both of these teams, Cleveland coming into the season, right? They were highly competitive last season. Expectation is they're going to get better based on some of the moves that they made on the defensive side of the ball, right? So another year for Baker in the offense, yada yada yada. They should be getting better. I've already talked about how I feel about LA. So I feel the same way about both of these teams as I do Buffalo in the Buffalo-Kansas City game. Can either one of these teams prove that they're a powerhouse in their conference? I think if the Chargers can go in and beat the Browns, that is a more impressive statement than the Chargers going in and beating Kansas City when they beat Kansas City, right? Because we're another weekend, so that's impressive. Same for the Browns. You can hold off a rolling 
locomotive like the LA Chargers right now, that's a big W for them and for their morale. And I just look, these are the two teams, in my opinion, that have the opportunity to knock off the two teams that we talked about in the previous game in Buffalo and Kansas City. So I want to see what they got. This could be like a bizarro like yep. preview the AFC championship. 100%. Uh, Miles Garrett, if he's not the best player in the league right now, he's like for this year, he's number two. I mean, yeah. this guy's been playing out of control. Right now, right now, he's potentially defensive player of the year. Yeah. Right now. It's, and again, we're, we're, a little bit less than a quarter of it into the season. So let, let's see where we go from here. But like, yeah, he's been balling. But if he if he's a non-impact, I do think Justin Herbert's going to have his way. Yeah. I do. I do. Um, I just just think the receivers are too good. Look what they just did against the, the Raiders. And the receivers didn't even produce, right? Like they relied on the tight ends. Who's the 6'8 freaking tight end that they have that was running free all over the field? He was he's he was a uh, uh, former XFL player, man. He's six eight, dude. He, he I, I'm a fan of him. He, I feel like he should see more playing time, to be honest. Yeah, with. he should, dude. Six eight. Who can cover? You got DeForest Buckner running routes with this guy to cover him. Like, are you kidding me? He's crazy. Smooth too. The other one, and again, this is going to sound like a homer pick, but I'm watching the 49ers Cardinals, and I'm only watching this, and I'm only – I mean, I'm I'm obviously watching this, but I'm watching it with an air of excitement if Trey Lance is starting this football game. I want to see what number five brings to the table with a full week of preparation, with a game plan from Kyle that is tailored to him against a 4-0. and I believe the last undefeated team in the NFL right now is the Arizona Cardinals in a division game. This is a this is a, a game for the Cardinals to say we're legit, right? Like we're for real five games in the season, or this is a get right game for the 49ers. Like, hey, we're on a two-game skid, but we just went ahead and knocked off the team that's number one in our division, which by the way, still on paper, is the number one division in the entire NFL in terms of, of these teams and the, the caliber of these teams. Um so for me, but to me, the the significance of this game is all about Trey Lance and watching a rookie. And what's different about Trey Lance than Justin Fields and Mac Jones and Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence is to me is Trey Lance has the opportunity to take the field with the best team mm-hmm. around him, right? With the best talent on both sides of the ball to be competitive. Those other rookies that I named, there's no expectations. There's no expectations. The only expectation in New England is it's a Bell, Bill Belichick team. There's no expectation in Jacksonville or for the Jets or even for the Chicago Bears. I mean, shit, there's supposed to be Andy Dalton's year. Now we're already – that's our that narrative's already changed, right? So I do think NFL fans should be excited to see a rookie quarterback who finally has an opportunity to go play for a team that has talent around them. That's not going to be a, a sinking ship scenario for the year, and I think that that's unique in itself. Yeah, I'm going to repeat some of your sentiment. The other thing I was watching is uh, this weekend is that Wild Wild West because it's the great matchups. You have the Seahawks, Rams, uh, Niners. Thursday night games. I can't. Thursday night games are so hard to get behind, dude, and they're so, like, not telling. But it. but it's impactful. Like, it's a very important game. It's like everyone's so, like, mushed together in that division, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is why – I want to see what your what your what the NFC West looks like after this weekend. Gotta ask you. I know like every week's a must win, but and it's do you feel like this is a must win for the Niners? And let me ask, let me tell you why. They if they lose to the Cardinals, they have then already have lost to the Seahawks. Oh and two in the division. Oh and two in the division, and also the worst record in the division. Yeah. Um, is this a must win? No. Um, it'd be really critical to win this game, but I don't think it's a must win because I do think, I do think the division will balance itself out. Right. Like, I don't think there's any team that's, I don't, I don't think Arizona or anybody's going to actually run away with it. Right. Like, I think it's going to be crunch time. And I think you're going to see a lot of 50, 50 splits in division play. Right. Like you're not going to, I don't know if you're going to see it's likely but it's not highly likely that you're going to see somebody sweep the other team because the competition is so stiff. The Mm -hmm. other difference and why I say it's not a must win is 
to me, the NFL is all about go take care of your division. But when your division is the toughest in football, sometimes you just have to set your expectations. Like look at the Yankees, right? Like in the Red Sox, what they just had to go through, like Tampa Bay ran away with that division and that, that happened early and often. Right. So what they have to set their eyes expectations on the wild card. wild card baseball, right? Like, so same thing with, with the, with the NFC West is just be better than everybody else in the NFC, right? Like, so if you can't win your division, since there's seven playoff teams now, right? Cause only one team gets to buy just being the top seven. And even I think five games into the season, even at two and three going into your bye week with the ability to regroup, even if you're resetting with Trey Lance is still plenty of time for things to happen in the NFL. So it's as close to as must win as you can get without it actually being a must win game. Okay. All right. Yeah. We got to win the freaking game though. Like there's there's (laughs) like, I don't know how else to tell this to you. All right. Speaking of winning the game, nothing's more important on the weekend um, to the novice fan than winning your fantasy football matchup. So that being said, the moment that everybody's been waiting for, let's talk a little bit of fantasy football advice, if you will. Uh, I always refrain from calling this the fantasy sleeper segment because I think some names, I don't want to say are obvious, but might be like, yo, if they're on your bench, get them in your lineup. This isn't, isn't like who you need to go scour with for the waiver wire because the waiver wire has already happened. So do you have a name right out of the gate that you think needs to be in somebody's starting lineup? I got two names real quick. Um, Dawson Knox, uh, tight end, Buffalo Bills. With the injury of Logan Thomas and some other tight ends underperforming like Robert Tunyon, why not throw uh, Knox in your starting lineup? That Kansas City-Buffalo game figures to be a high-scoring game, all right? And the Bills have been utilizing Knox more in the red zone. Uh, Josh Allen just said something uh, today how much how much improved – Knox has been this year and he's always looking for him in the red zone. He literally just said that today and Knox has four touchdowns in the last three games. I fully expect a shootout Sunday night. The other guy, Tyler Boyd, all the focus will be on Jamar chase. I get it. As as they play the green Bay Packers, but it would be a sneaky play to play Tyler Boyd. Jair Alexander's banged up. I don't think he's going to be playing. I think he's hurt. Uh, So that means green Bay secondary is going to be really thin this week. And yeah, you're gonna they're gonna focus a lot of their attention on Jamar Chase, and I do think Cincinnati is going to be playing catch up during the whole game as well. So I love that game flow. If they're playing catch up, that means they're gonna to have to throw. Don't forget they don't have Mixon either. So how really effective they're going to utilize the running game? They'll probably just do it. To be honest, to be honest with you, so I really feel like Burrow is going to be throwing 56 times this game, and Boyd just came off with a decent performance. We had nine catches on 11 targets for 118 yards. So I can literally see him with wide receiver two upside there. So I'm going to see your Dawson Knox and I'm going to raise you Dalton Schultz um, as a, as a tight end fix here as well, because you mentioned a name like Robert Tunyon, who I've been suffering from um, in one of my leagues this year. Did you know that, for the last two weeks, Dalton Schultz has led the Dallas Cowboys in targets. Yeah, because above, I, have, I have a bunch of obnoxious Cowboys fans. Bro. All right. I'm sorry to hear that. I try to uh, eliminate them from my life. But you had CD Lamb above CD Lamb and Amari Cooper. And this week, they happen to be playing the New York Giants, who just let tight ends eat, right? I mean, Kyle, they fed Kyle Pitts last week um, or the week before with uh, Atlanta. Um, that being said, I, so to put my money where my mouth is, I have picked up Dalton Schultz in my league. I am sitting Robert Tunyon and I have Dalton Schultz in. So I'm banking heavy on this. So I don't want to one up you because I had three names here. So I'll let you make the decision here. Do you want a running back or do you want a wide receiver? Let's go running back. Cause I feel like uh, I, I covered a wide receiver. So let's, Let's round this out. I was hoping you said wide receiver, but I'll go running back. So I felt guilty to this last week, and some people might be a little bit gun shy, but Chuba Hubbard. Now, if you're – most people say, hey, like, I, you know, it, it's not it's not just like you're plugging and playing for Christian McCaffrey, right? Like, And I, and I totally get that. And I had him in last week hoping that you would, but he does have a good matchup this week. It is a week to capitalize. He's been decent 
in CMC's absence, if you will, especially that second half of the first game. And then even last week, he's going to get the touches and going against the Eagles that have given up 127 yards rushing a game. I like his opportunity. I'm running with him for a second week in a row. So if you're hesitant, if you're gun shy, if you got an open flex position uh, and you happen to have, you know, Chuba and you think he burnt you last week, I think you got to give him one more shot before they try to plug McCaffrey back in because it's only a matter of time. And he might go week to week and be injured and do everything he did in the 2020 season. But right now, at least, you know, Chuba is is number one for sure. I got to say, though, it came out today that McCaffrey uh, practiced it on a limited basis. You can't do it, dude. You can't bring a running back back like that. And it's, it's it, even on the limited basis, like you still got you have another week buffer. So if you pick this guy up on the waiver wire or you drafted him as a handcuff, you need to roll the dice and you need to go the additional week. All right. Uh, you know what? I don't want to do it, but I'm going to allow it real quick. Who is your wide receiver? Jamison Crowder. So um, listen, I I firmly believe over the course of the year, Elijah Moore is going to take the the targets away from him in New York. But I think right now, missing the beginning of the season, getting back in, still getting his C legs or NFL legs and underneath him and getting into game shape. He's got a really good matchup against Atlanta. And rookie quarterbacks love their slot wide receivers. And uh, there are very few as dependent as Jameson Crowder has been. So I think against a team like the Atlanta Falcons that have a, an inability to cover the slot wide receiver, uh, this is the week if you have Jameson Crowder, go ahead and plug him in that flex position. All right. All right. I like that. I don't mind that at all. All right. I appreciate that leeway there because that's kind of where I wanted to go because I didn't think people wanted to hear me talk Chuba. Um, I didn't even want to talk Chuba, but I, I, I'm rolling the dice with him again. And I, again, I don't ever give anybody advice where I'm not putting my money where my mouth is. So I'll eat crow when it's time to eat crow if it doesn't pan out. But hey, that's fantasy football. We always say, baby, better to be lucky than good. And it's 90%, 90% luck, 10% skill. And that's how you get to your championship. So, Lou, that wraps us up for our, our recap of uh, week four. Really excited to get into to week five. As always, really appreciate you taking the time with me. Uh, for the listeners, as you always do, please let them know where they can find us and how they can follow us. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at WTF Pod NFL. Love it. Looking forward to next week. Hope everybody has a great evening and good luck to you, your teams, your fantasy squads in week five. <laughs>